coming to theaters across the U.S. on March 20th and 21st, an epic film on Noah's Flood. This film unveils compelling evidence in support of the Bible, including what happened to the dinosaurs? Why do we find soft tissues and blood in their bones today? Why did God send the flood? What are the parallels between the days of Noah and the coming judgment? Mark your calendars for March 20th, 21st, and be prepared to experience the Genesis flood like never before. Get your tickets today at www.noahsflood.com. Coming to theaters across the U.S. on March 20th and 21st, an epic film on Noah's Flood. This film unveils compelling evidence in support of the Bible, including what happened to the dinosaurs? Why do we find soft tissues and blood in their bones today? Why did God send the flood? What are the parallels between the days of Noah and the coming judgment? Mark your calendars for March 20th, 21st, and be prepared to experience the Genesis Flood like never before. Get your tickets today at www.noahsflood.com. homeschool sanity, welcome. I'm Dr. Melanie Wilson, Christian psychologist turned homeschool mom and curriculum author. But I was once so disorganized, I thought I had to quit homeschooling and stop having kids. Now, by the grace of God, I have six homeschool graduates. Whether we're discussing parenting, productivity, or practical tips, I pray that this episode is just what you need for happy, healthy homeschooling. Hey, homeschoolers. Anytime a teacher uses a story to teach children, I am all for it. Story is not only the most enjoyable way to learn something, but the most powerful. When former guest Elizabeth Urbanowitz told me she had created a picture book to help children discern what truth is, I asked her to join me on the podcast again. In a culture obsessed with identifying misinformation, we want to equip our kids to separate truth from falsehood using a Christian worldview. Elizabeth has such a beautiful spirit. I know you'll appreciate hearing her teaching tips. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining me again here on the podcast. I'm not sure exactly how long it's been, maybe a year. Do you know? (laughs) I think around that time. I think it's been about a year. (laughs) Okay. It's been about a year since we visited last. And of course, I'm going to put a link to our last chat in the show notes. But I was hoping that you could start off by telling us a little bit about what has been happening with you and your ministry in this last year. 
Yes. Thanks so much for asking. And thank you so much for having me on again. So yeah, so this last year in our ministry, we've done a lot of different things. Um, One of them is we recently published a children's book for kids around the ages of four to seven on truth. So really excited about that. We have other new materials in the works. Um, As I'm sure all of your listeners know, a really hot topic right now is just... um, you know, the design behind gender and sexuality and marriage and family. And there's so much confusion in our culture. So we're working on an upcoming curriculum for little ones for ages four plus just called God's Good Design. So looking at what is God's good design for our bodies and our minds, for marriage, for family, all those things. So yeah, so we're just really excited about the different projects the Lord's let us work on this year. Oh, well, that sounds really, really interesting. I am sure you will let me know when you have those materials ready because people will be asking me about them, no doubt about it. Well, speaking about truth, I was thinking about the fact that in the Gospels, we have Pilate asking Jesus, Mm -hmm. what is truth? And people today are still asking that question, maybe even more than ever. Why do you think, Elizabeth, that it is so difficult to give people an answer to that question that satisfies them? Yeah, I I think it's an interesting concept to think through. And I love that you brought up, you know, Jesus's interaction with Pilate, where, you know, Jesus, the God of the universe is standing before Pilate, you know, saying that he came to bear witness to the truth. And Pilate, his response is, what is truth, you know, and, um, you know, kind of just like walks away from Jesus. And so I think it's kind of twofold, you know, on this side of Genesis 3 where, you know, we are fallen, we don't naturally just have this desire for truth. And we also, you know, all of our faculties, you know, our emotions and our intellect and our will and all of this have been affected by the fall. So we don't naturally just know what is true. You know, this is something that by God's grace, you know, the Holy Spirit works on with us. So I think that's a huge part of the issue. And then specifically, when we think about our time and our culture, really where our culture is today, you know, with this idea that our most reliable guide to truth is our inner subjective feelings. Like while this might have risen to the surface a lot over the past decade, it's really been brewing since the end of the 1700s, you know, just with the romantic writers and the way that they were trying to combat the different worldviews, the, you know, the rationalism and empiricism of their time. It's been this slow trend towards us as a culture thinking, you know, if I feel it, it must be true. You know, and God has given us our emotions as part of being image bearers. And there are times when our emotions can point us to truth. However, because we're living on this side of Genesis 3, there are many, 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 many times where our emotions deceive us. And so I think really, you know, because of the fall and then because of the cultural moment that we're living in, it's so hard for us to to just nail down what truth is and then to really actively seek it and get our children to seek it as well. Right. And that is something that I really want to talk with you about. And I I love how you just point us back to the fall, which is in case you're not you're not you're not well versed in Christianese. That means (laughs) when Adam and Eve stopped believing in God and in what he said was true 
and they they went off on their own and they did what God asked them not to do and that is the fall and that decision that they made not to trust and obey God has had an impact on everything including as you're saying our ability to even perceive what is true how we just get so misled and as you were talking about the emotions I thought I might just throw in an anecdote here even in high school I was a psychology student I knew I wanted to be a psychologist and I had studied it in high school I had done a lot of reading in the field I I found it so fascinating well I was having some um, headaches, some chronic headaches. Mm-hmm. And so my, uh, my parents arranged for me to have a CT scan. So I went in and they said, uh, you know, they, they were giving me an IV that had this contrast dye in it. And they said, you know, just don't move. It's really important that you don't move. I mean, obviously they're gonna be taking pictures and they, <laughs> they don't want me moving around. Well, pretty quickly after they started the IV, I started to feel itchy. And I thought, okay, well, I'm feeling itchy because I'm holding so still. You know how that, I mean, have you ever had mm-hmm. that where you're, yes. you, you try to hold still and then all of a sudden it just feels like everything is itching. <laughs> and so I thought, well, that's all it is. I'm just, just trying to hold still. And then I started having trouble breathing. And I thought, you know, I mean, I know that CT scans cause a lot of people anxiety because of claustrophobia. I didn't feel at all claustrophobic. Like, Hmm. I could see the opening. You know, I knew I could scoot down and get out of that thing anytime I wanted to. So I wasn't feeling claustrophobic, but I thought, I'm struggling to breathe. And so clearly, I'm anxious. (laughs) So I told myself, okay, just calm down just try to really, really relax. And I mean, it was brutal. It was a long, long scan that they did on my head. And I'm sure you probably guessed what what has been going on at this point. And when I sat up, they said, oh, wow, (laughs) you've had a major allergic reaction. Oh, my goodness. I was actually in anaphylactic shock my blood pressure bottomed out to nothing i couldn't stand up i had hives giant hives covering my body and the reason that i couldn't breathe in part was because my face was so swollen that it had closed my nostrils um and i give you that um example because based on my feelings and the kind of the culture because the culture Mm -hmm. had taught me that if you're experiencing those kinds of symptoms it's claustrophobia because so many people are claustrophobic and so that's what it is when the truth was that I was having a serious allergic reaction which I had to stay in the hospital for (laughs) to recover from for several Um, but anyway I, I just want to say that because I 100% agree with you. And we want to share this, this truth, for lack of a better term. We want to share this truth that we can't rely on our feelings and even necessarily what our senses, our physical senses are telling us. As you so uh, 
intelligently um, point out that because of the fall, that we can't trust it. So I am hoping that you can help us today with how we as parents can share with our kids what a biblical definition of truth looks like and how we can really encourage them to consider it. I know we can't we can't force our kids or anyone else to accept um, biblical truth, but how can we encourage them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think sometimes as Christians, we can get confused about what is the biblical definition of truth because it's everywhere assumed, but never really defined. Because sometimes what we think of is we think of John 14, 6, you know, where Jesus is telling his disciples, you know, that, um, you know, that he knows the way to go. And Thomas is like, you know, Lord, we don't, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus looks at him and says, you know, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. And so Jesus is saying that he is the true way to God. But sometimes we pull that out of context and we're like, well, Jesus is the truth where, you know, especially for parents who have homeschooled and think of, you know, if your child does a math page and, you know, they're asking three times three and your child writes to Jesus, you're like, that really warms my heart, but like, that's not really the true answer, you know, like, like, it's like, yes, Jesus is the true and accurate representation of the father. Mm. But when we say, um, you know, that Jesus is the truth, we don't mean that the answer to every problem is Jesus. So it's like, well, when we look at scripture and we think about what truth is, you know, what is kind of just assumed there? Well, it's assumed that when God says that he speaks the truth, he declares what is right, you know, that all of his ways are true that truth is actually what is real, that God is showing us an accurate picture of reality. Now, try to tell a five-year-old God's showing us an accurate picture of reality that, you know, you get a blank stare. I mean, try telling a 15-year-old or even a 35-year-old, you know, sometimes you just get a blank stare. But we can just put it really simply in terms that our children can understand and just say that truth is what is real. So when we're talking mm. about something that is real, something that is accurate, something that is correctly presented, we are talking about something that is true. So I think that's a really simple definition that parents can give their kids, um, a really simple way to talk about it. And then we can give them different examples of things that are true and things that are not true. You know, so for really little ones, we can give them fun examples, you know, something like puppies are baby dogs. That is true. That is what is real. And then we can say something like puppies run on the ceiling. Like, oh, that's so silly. Puppies don't run on the ceiling. That's not true because that's not what is real. Where with older kids, you know, we can talk about, just ask them, you know, like, what are some things that you know that are true, that are actually what is real? And then what are some things that you've encountered that people have said or that you've read or that you've seen online that are not true, that are not actually what is real? And so I think this is just a really base, simple baseline way that we can get our kids to understand this. <laughs> hmm And um, along with that, I was just in Phoenix for a wedding and we were looking for indoor things to do, um, not necessarily indoor, but not just hiking, which we'd already done Mm -hmm. uh, quite a bit of. And they have a museum, I guess, for lack of a better word, there that is all about illusions. And 
I think that would be a fun way to mm. make it very concrete, especially for mm-hmm. younger kids to talk about, well, mm-hmm. it looks like um, you're a lot bigger than you really are. So is it true that you're this big or mm-hmm. or does it Love just it. appear to be that way? So that would be another fun thing that you could just be thinking of as you're going yeah. about your day when because I think we come across illusions all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And that would be another way of including it. Well, you have gone a step further and in absolutely the right direction for us as homeschooling parents because you have created a children's picture book about truth, as you mentioned at the beginning. What motivated you to write that? Um, Yeah, that's a really great question. Uh, So this concept of truth is something that in all of our curriculums we start off with just as a baseline for understanding, you know, everything we're going to be looking at is discerning what is true. And a lot of, we had a lot of feedback from parents saying that their kids really loved to play this game that we have in the curriculum. That's a true versus not true game. And so then my team just started thinking, we're like, you know, this is a really easy way to just introduce kids to the topic of truth, this game. And it could be a really fun picture book. So we just started brainstorming. Um, we're, I, I'm a very analytical thinker. And so I really, sometimes, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's uh, to, um, to a fault, but we just started doing research and I had all my team members pull the books that their kids went to most frequently. So they just pulled off the shelf, the books that their kids asked to read over and over and over again. And so we sat down as a team and we like looked at these and we're like, okay, what do all of these books have in common? And so we looked at the type of characters that were involved. We looked at the, you know, the amount of words on a page. We looked at the type of illustrations. We looked at the type of interaction that was involved. And we're like, okay, we think we can take the concept of truth and write a book that has like all of these elements in them. So that was, um, yeah, so that was our goal just to give parents an easy tool that they could come back to over and over and over again, that their kids would actually be the one directing them towards that, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that it wouldn't be like mm-hmm. a, a drudge, you know, to do that, but their, their kids would want to read the book over and over and over again to really just establish this mental paradigm for when something is true and when something is not true. Because if we wait now, It is never too late. It is never, ever too late to start having our kids think about what's true. You know, even if we have adult children that are outside of the home, it's never too late. However, the earlier we start, the easier it is. You know, you know, as as a doctor in your field, just so much more, you know, than I ever will about brain chemistry and about neurological pathways and all of those kind of things. But from the very little that I do know, I do know that the younger that you start actually developing these neurological pathways, you know, the more deeply they're going to be ingrained and the easier it is at a younger age to start developing these positive habits. And so that was really our goal with this book is we wanted it to be fun. We wanted it to be playful. We wanted it to have all these elements that kids are naturally drawn to. And we really wanted it to help, you know, really establish these neurological pathways and just create this framework so that no matter what kids encounter, they're thinking, hmm, what I just heard, is that something that is true or is that something that is not true? So that was our, that was our goal (laughs) with this book. Well, I think that is wonderful. And I especially love how you're talking about keeping it light um, Mm -hmm. because 
in experience with my own children and seeing other homeschoolers um, with their children, it t- it tends to backfire when you have a strong-willed mm-hmm. child in particular, mm-hmm. and you just say, yes. this is what's true. And all that other stuff, that's that's false. And we're right, of course. We're, we're right, because when we're talking about um, biblical truth and what God says, mm-hmm. yes, we are right. This is truth. This is not true. But when you are encouraging kids to examine the, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever it is, the, uh, the ideas that other people are putting in front of them, and to determine whether it's true or not based on what we have taught them and what what they have learned from scripture, it's more likely that they're going to be um, willing to Mm -hmm. actually think about it instead of just pushing back against us as parents. So I I love that you have that, um, that, you know what it is, in my opinion, it comes from a place of trust. It's like, Mm -hmm. I trust that, my child under the influence of the Holy Spirit is going to discover that everything that we have been teaching them is true. Mm -hmm. If I give them the opportunity to think about these issues um, Mm -hmm. on their own and to examine them and to test them. Um, So can you tell us a little bit more about what the book is actually like when um, when we open it? Is it something that the parents read to their children? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what what are the characters? What, you know, how does it progress? Yes. So it is a book that is designed for parents to read to their children. And the voice in the book, it's narrated by one of the main characters that the main character, you know, is speaking to the audience, to the kids. So we have two um, just furry little characters. Some people call them monsters. They are not scary. (laughs) Um, If you want to call them monsters, we just have two furry little characters um, that kind of guide kids through what we call a journey of seeking truth. And so uh, we we tried to make the color scheme very um, vibrant and bright without it hurting your eyes. Um, <laughs> but it's a very uh, vibrant and bright book with these two characters, Sebastian and Greg. And what they do is first, they just help kids think through what is truth. So we actually give that definition. We give an example. You know, we say like, let's pretend your mom came into the room and her favorite lamp was broken. She would ask you to tell her the truth about what happened. What does that mean to tell your mom the truth, you know? And then there's a picture of, you know, like one of the characters like throwing a baseball into the lamp and it falling on the floor. (laughs) And it's like, your mom wants to know what really happened. That's because truth is what is real. And then the characters, you know, guide the kids through saying that a few times. Truth is what is real. And they say it. And then we play a little game in the book. And so we um, we say, okay, the the main character, Greg, or Sebastian, sorry, says, you know, Every time I say a sentence that shows you what is true, I want you to spread out your arms and say true. And every time I say a sentence that's not true, I want you to cross your arms like an X and say not true. And then we just walk the kids through different um, different sentences. We've tried to make it so engaging and also fun. You know, there's some fun sentences like puppies fly in the air, you know, and there's a picture of a, of a little... Um, dog you know with with flight goggles on and wings and so we try to uh, try to make it a little bit humorous for the kids so that they enjoy it but just giving them the practice of identifying what is true and what is not true and then we tie it into scripture at the end you know and we actually give that 
um, that verse of, you know, when Jesus was before Pilate, I think it's John 18. I could, I could be wrong in my chapters, but when Jesus is before Pilate and he says, for this reason, I was born. And for this reason, I came to earth to bear witness to the truth. And we say, you know, if Jesus came to tell us what is true, truth must be pretty important to God. So it's really important for us to seek out what is true and what is not true. Um, and so that's just kind of like the flow of the book. It goes through a number of different examples. And our goal, like I said before, is that kids will want to come to it over and over and over again. And then when they're in real life conversations, they'll be thinking, oh, that is true. That is what's real. Or, oh, that's not true. That's not what's real. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I'm just picturing having a uh, maybe a family dinner where some family members don't have the same definition of truth mm. as we do. And I can just see your young kids saying, not true. Not true. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there might need to be some conversations right. about when we say that and when we don't, because little kids love to say everything out loud. I was thinking, um, even just like a few months ago, I was having dinner with a friend at Chick-fil-A and she has two young boys and they were off in the play place playing. And I, you know, like she and I were just talking and her four-year-old, like, opens the door and screams out so everyone in Chick-fil-A can hear, Mom, someone in here does not know Jesus. They do not know Jesus. And like my friend is like, you know, kind of like withering in her seat. And then as if that's enough, if that's not enough, her son goes, is that a sin against God? (laughs) And so she's she's just like, Betty, why don't you come on over here? You know, like, so we can talk about it, not in front of the whole restaurant, but that just made me think, you know, as someone who creates materials to be used with little kids, I was like, oh, we need to make sure we have lots of things in these materials to talk about when we talk about this and when we don't, because little kids, it just comes out of their mouths. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Uh, That is just adorable. (laughs) But yeah, we we do want to talk about those social um, skills too. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, but, um, Elizabeth, I have not seen the book yet. I can't wait to. I really want to get a copy in my hands and look it over because I I just know that if you have worked on it, created it, and it sounds like your team has really been you know seeking the Lord on how to create something that is really going to be a value for children and homeschooling families. Um, I, I just know that I will love it and that our listeners will love it. So how can they get a hold of it online? Yes. So the easiest way is to go to Amazon and just to Google uh, what is truth, because that is the title of the book. So just what is truth? And it's on Amazon. And if you have Prime, it is available on Prime. So just um, should be pretty easy to get there. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And I noticed um, for our podcast listeners, I am on video with Elizabeth right now, and she just held the book up. And so for the benefit of our video watchers, could you just kind of page through the book a little bit and just give us a a little bit of a preview? I can. So these are our two characters, Sebastian and Greg. And they start off the book just um, introducing themselves and talking about going on a thinking journey. Sorry, my camera's going a little in and out here. It's not sure where to focus on. Um, But we do cover the word truth. (laughs) Yes, it's very large, Um, though. Yes, and then um, I'll just show you some of the fun 
picture. So I mentioned before about, you know, puppies flying in the air and that being not true. So adorable illustrations. Yeah. So we just, we just wanted some, um, that would be really fun and yeah, they're, worked with a really talented young illustrator named Miranda Duncan. And so for all of you homeschooling parents, you will appreciate this because Miranda just graduated from high school last year. She is um, a homeschool graduate and she is an incredibly talented um, illustrator. So all those years of homeschooling and having more flexibility and what you can focus on and what you can't has really paid off because here she is 18. She's a freshman um, at Lipscomb University right now studying animation and she already has a book published. So That is wonderful. Um, I just love that. It's a huge, huge benefit of homeschooling. Um, Mm -hmm. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining me. It is always a joy to get together with you. And I hope this is not our last chat together. Well, thank you so much for having me on today. I just always appreciate being with you and the thoughtful questions that you ask. To find the links to Elizabeth's book and resources, go to homeschoolsanity.com slash teach truth. Have a happy homeschool week. If you're looking for homeschool sanity, welcome. I'm Dr. Melanie Wilson, Christian psychologist turned homeschool mom and curriculum author. But I was once so disorganized, I thought I had to quit homeschooling and stop having kids. Now, by the grace of God, I have six homeschool graduates. Whether we're discussing parenting, productivity, or practical tips, I pray that this episode is just what you need for happy, healthy homeschooling.